1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Well, this sucks. Yeah, so when I asked my doctor about it, he kind of just said, well, no shit, alcohol influence or creates, what the hell did he say? Something in your joints and then just adds to it. I think you need to find a new doctor. I don't think that guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he doesn't have he doesn't have teenagers. That's for damn sure. I had a bad shoulder a year and a half ago. I had to get surgery. It was the best thing I ever did. Oh, is that right? Oh yeah, like I'm 100. percent I had a four centimeter tear in my rotator cuff. Ooh, oh. For, for like 10 years, I lived with it. Really? How long yeah. did that take to rehab? Uh, you know what? I was back to full duty in three and a half months. That's impressive. Yeah, like the doctor said that there's no way, but uh, I my physio cleared me for full weights after three months, and then I went back to work after four, like on full duties. Wow, wow, that's crazy. You're a big time shooter too, so that's uh, yeah, that's crazy. So you just lived with that pain. That's what that's kind of what I'm going through right now. I I've had ongoing left shoulder pain, and then it I did something at work on Monday, and now it's just it feels like a noodle. So, well, you I know, know, I a super athletic growing up like playing junior hockey and then baseball yeah. and stuff like that and i i truly think i heard it playing uh baseball years ago and and then i went in as i got older got into competitive slow pitch and uh never made it any better and uh, i remember when it i was in the gym at work when i heard it the final time and uh I said to the surgeon after I said, if he could tell if it was an old injury or a new injury. And he said it was kind of a combination of both. It was like a long-term uh, tear. And then uh, at the gym, I just toasted it. And I lived yeah. with it. Like I, like I said, I, well, the last year and a half, uh, it, it was almost debilitating. Like, thank goodness. Like, it's funny because it was anything over the level. So anything like oh, that, yeah. I mean, I would be literally like this if it was over there, but I could still pull my bow back because anything below my shoulder, I could still sort of manage to do it. But long story short is the best thing I ever did because, uh, and the, the thing that COVID actually saved me in a way because I, uh, I went to physio before and he gave me a whole bunch of exercises to do before the surgery. That was the key. And so I had basically eight months to, I did every day religiously. I did those exercises. And then when I had my surgery, I did the exercises that they gave me after. And I truly believe that's why I came back. Like I'm over a hundred percent now. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what I need. I need that knee surgery. I need a whole bunch of stuff. 
they did my bicep tenant while they're at it. Like I didn't even ask for them, but like I got a video of my surgery and my bicep tenant, which is kind of cool. It's like super round like that and thick. Yeah. It was, it looked like an old frayed rope. There was pieces oh, yeah. all over it. So really? they, they cut that off and fixed that while they're at it too. Oh, that's a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get my, my left shoulder is good, but my biceps really bad. So I have right. to get the same, same thing done to my bicep on the left side. Yeah. I guess if they're going to be in there, they might as well just fix everything. So, oh, that's good. That's good. That's, that's one awesome. thing you're, you're just explaining about drawing your bow back. It's funny. You see a bunch of, you see some guys drawing their bow back and their elbows, you know, way above their shoulder line. You're like, oh dude, what are you doing? That's going to kill yeah. your shoulder. You do that a hundred times a day. That's exactly it. Yeah. It'll only take that one injury too in your shoulder and it'll kick you back from trying to be macho and pulling back the extra 10 pounds, you know, like pulling that 80 pound bow back I mean, like, that's right. I can do that. When it's like, yeah, yeah you pull that 70 pound bow back and it's like nothing in comparison, but. You know, the oh. things that, that brought me to my knees worse than anything was a, uh, you know how, when you kind of trip or you slip or something, you kind of, kind of go like that, uh, that will bring me, that would brought to me every time that happened, that would bring me to my knees. I remember one time at work, I was, uh, walking up to the house with a, with my partner and uh, we we're kind of going up kind of fast because we had to get into the house quickly. And I slipped on the sidewalk as Ooh. I was going up and I kind of caught myself. Yeah. I literally, I literally sat there for five minutes and before I could catch my breath, it hurt so bad. That's when I decided to go to finally that when that happened, I was like, I have to get this fixed. Yeah. That's the, that was the final straw. Yeah. Kevin, did you ever hurt your shoulder before like rotator cuff or anything? I did play in hockey. I heard it. Um, I dislocated to playing hockey and then, yeah, probably laying you out probably when I did it. <laughs> I still remember that. That was a long time ago, 30, 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't been the same since. <laughs> yeah. That's because you hit a rock wall. That's why <laughs> <laughs> yeah. rock wall just tipped over. <laughs> I love hearing that. So Mark, uh, thanks for hopping on the podcast today. I know you and I, we've, uh, we've chatted back and forth a few times. We just, you know, uh, uh, work life, everything it just gets busy and, but it's, uh, it's nice we finally got a chance to line something up. So thanks for coming on the show. No problem. So I kind of want to talk uh, bears. You know, this is the season of spring bears, and I know you got a lot of experience with beers, bears, and you have kind of something that Pete and I don't have. Come from British Columbia here, we're not allowed to bait bears. So I kind of want to talk about, you know, um, baiting bears. You know, another couple of things I want to talk about that are really important is field judging and shot placement. And I know, you know, you're experienced bear hunter, so uh, maybe we can talk about that today. But before we get into that, maybe you can just talk about yourself, kind of like your background and all that stuff. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, two things are kind of dear to me and bears and elk are kind of my thing. That's uh, that's what I sort of cut my teeth on when it comes to and a little bit history of me um from regina saskatchewan born and raised weyburn southeastern regina oh, yeah. um and uh when i was in my early 20s i was working the oil patch like everybody does in saskatchewan southeast anyways and i got really slow and i uh was looking for something else to do and i took up uh a guiding school in the Yukon and I flew to the Yukon never even rode a horse my life before and had to learn how to shoe horses and stuff like that and then I got a job in British Columbia with the outfitter from the hunt the guide school and I was in I was there for 15 plus years as a as they're kind of like one of their main elk guides and stuff like that and uh in the meantime I'd come back in the in, and work in the oil patch and then every year I'd go and uh and guide in BC 
Fort St. John, Fort Nelson country. And uh, that's kind of where I learned to be a good hunter. And of course, down here, we have whitetail and, and lots of bird hunting and stuff like that. And one of my passions is is hunting bears. And I mean, we can talk about that. But in Saskatchewan here, that's probably one of the, if somebody's looking to get into hunting, that's one of the easiest things in Saskatchewan to, to get into is because we can bait them here. And uh, as long as you can find a parcel of land to put a bait on that you're not sort of infringing on anybody else, it's truly is one of the easier hunts because you try to bring them to you. You don't have to drive around or, or do a ton of scouting for them. Yeah. And so right now, currently I'm uh, 18 years at the Regina city police. Uh, I'm a corporal there and, and, uh, and I sort of, I, I say now that I've been here so there so long, I sort of work for my days off and my, my all year I'm doing something to do in the outdoors. I'm kind of already setting myself up for retirement and that, the, you know, things like this and, and maybe a little guiding again in the, when I'm re- done retiring policing. And so, yeah, anything to do with the outdoors, I'm, I'm pretty active with it and big time into shooting sports as well, primarily archery. And that's kind of me. Yeah. That currently in Regina and, uh, not a big fan of the big city, but I like policing here and any chance I can, I get into the woods. Well, I didn't realize that you, uh, you'd spent some time out in, uh, in BC doing some elk guiding. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Fort St. John, um, uh, that the outfit I worked for, for about 14 years or 13 years was called Musquasquari, Gary Vince, a uh, well-known outfitter, kind of a pioneer of the, in the North there. And, uh, he got bought out by one of, uh, his neighbors, Kevin Olmstead, and, uh, I think it's called Prophet River profit river or something like that outfitters and uh, i worked for them for three four years and then uh my kids got they my kids needed me around a little bit more and got so i had to kind of shut her down and then i did some freelance videoing where where i'd travel around north america and do some uh filming for guys and stuff like that and now i sort of just kind of do my own thing to be honest i didn't realize there was uh that big of a bear population in saskatchewan it's when you think like being from bc here I mean, we've got mountains and trees and everything, right? And like, obviously I've been to Saskatchewan. It's just, you know, it's just a little bit different out there. So you just don't really think about bears when you, when you think about Saskatchewan. Yeah. You know, growing up, I didn't either uh, until I got older and uh, really saw that they, they're problematic, especially with the farm fringe bears. Um, we do have lots of forest and our I don't know what's called the Canadian shield and uh, there's a ton of bears up there. So I know there's lots right. of outfitting, uh, you know, kind of in the shield, but uh, the forest fringe bears is where primarily most of the guys like me do, do that. Cause you don't have to travel too far into the, into the forest to, to set a bait. Yeah. So yeah, that's so cool. How far I, up North are you going then from like uh, Regina? Like how much farther North till you start being able to hunt bears pretty successfully? Well, where I have my baits currently right now, uh, if, from my doorstep to my first bait is three and a half hours. Oh, okay. yeah, wow. So bit of a bit of a drive. Bit of a drive, yeah. Like actually I just set my baits on Saturday because uh we literally just had snow. We had snow here until a week ago. And uh and finally we had got a some double digits and the most of the snow went away. So I had to get them in. Normally I have my baits in you know, as soon as you can around April 15th, but I didn't get them in till like Saturday. So it's actually killing me right now to have them sitting there soaking, wondering what's on camera. Cause yeah. I have one, I have one bear there fellas. I don't know if you have seen on my, I've been kind of posting it lately on my Facebook, but I got one there that's five fifty five seventy five hundred uh, hundred pounds. So like I'm, it's itching at me to, uh, to see if he's back. 
Yeah, no doubt. If it's That's the one I'm bear. thinking of, he looked like a good tank. Oh, uh, a buddy of mine, Blair Mitchell, he's uh, been guiding bears for like 35 years. He's, he killed a 22-incher a couple years Oof. ago, and uh, he swears that this bear that I have on there is, is going to go 22 and a half or more and be 575 pounds, he figures. Wow. That's and a big I, black bear. I mean, there's a bit of a story with that. I passed him up last year uh, by accident. It was the first sit of the of the year for me, and he came in. I knew it was a big bear, but I uh, I was like, Nah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoot this bear because he didn't quite come to the barrel. There was about four or five, you know, 150 200 pounders at the bait, and he came in and a great. I had a buddy with me, and I looked like that's a big bear right there. And uh, I we nicknamed this bear War Pig, and because he has a really short snout like a pig, and so we called him War Pig. And I had him on camera for four years, but he never once daylighted himself, and uh, so I never set eyes on him. And he anyways, he came out and I didn't know it was him. So I passed it up first night. I had no intentions of shooting a bear. I was kind of hoping to shoot him in the rut. And uh, when I went back and watched the video, I just, I couldn't believe it. It was war pig that came in and, and I could easily got him because he was about 10 yards away at one point. But uh, anyway, so him and I have a date this year. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hopefully it works out for you. So, how, so you're, you do your bait. So I guess it's important. You got to make sure the snow's gone. No snow when you start doing your bait process. Well, you know, it, as, as long as you can get to your spot, um, the, the bears, once they start coming out, like see up there, uh, the reason everything's so late is like, they're still in their dens because they had two, three yeah. feet of snow and they're just, uh, you might get a bear that had, uh, that, uh, had a, a den that was maybe accessible and was out early but for the most part they just started coming out and uh so you can get them in there early as long as you can get to your baits like my quad doesn't have tracks or anything so i pretty much or i did i didn't use a snow snowmobile either but um as soon as you can get to your bait you get her out there i like to get out there as soon as you can because they uh as soon as they that smell hits the air you're you're drawing all those bears in there I have I like I have absolutely zero idea to how to bait a bear. So you you just take them what a barrel and you're just poking a bunch of holes in it. You have a lid that you can seal down and you're just throwing your food in there and just, what just chain it, strap it to a tree. Like obviously I've seen videos of bears, you know, rummaging at the uh, these big these big barrels they have. But just talk a bit about like what you do for your setup, like what you're what you're throwing your food into, what kind of food, that kind of thing. Yeah, like I, I I do a couple of seminars where I try to teach newbies or people that's never hunted the bears before because like basically I want them to learn from my mistakes because I say the bear is one of the easiest to hunt, but you got to do your homework just like any other any other species you're going to hunt. And generally, what you got to do is you got to pick a place to to hunt. And and gen and here, if like I have the fortunate uh, luck to have uh, private land that I can hunt on, so I have exclusive to that area. Uh, backed up to the provincial forest. And so basically what I do is now with the Google Earth or with the iHunter or anything like that, you always got to sort of plot where you want to hunt. And and the, the first thing I tell people when they ask about uh, baiting bears is always find a food source or sorry, a, a water source because early season bears love to follow like Creek and uh, ponds. And, you know, we get tons and tons of beaver ponds and the bears just love those. They fall. They have a couple of reasons why they follow the, the water sources is one for obvious reasons for the, for the water, but um, soon as the, the, the grass and dandelions and everything start to turn green, they want to, they want to supplement their, their diet with, with greens. So you'll always see them eating on, and of course near waters where it always goes green first. And so they're always following those. And then of course, beaver is the, like their number one sort of uh, meat uh, animal or whatever. And they love, 
they love the taste of beaver. So there again, if they can, if they can um, snack on a beaver or, or find one that's dead or something like that, that's, that's perfect for them. So the first thing I do is always plot where I'm going to go. So if I was to find a new bait site, the first thing I always look for is a water source. And, uh, and once I do that, then I will generally try to go to here in Saskatchewan, we have terrible, uh, hazel brush. So you have to find basically, uh, a spruce patch or something like that, or green, green trees that will don't, doesn't have a ton of hazel brush because that's a bear hunter's nightmare because right now it's not too bad. You, you know, you have to kind of trip and stumble through the hazel brush, but soon as it starts to leave out, it, it's literally a jungle in there. So you have to try to find a place. I always look for spruce and uh, that's where I set up next to a water source. And then as far as the bait goes, um, I have a very sort of specific uh, way I do it. So when they come out of the den, they have what they call a plug in their butt and they have to get rid of that plug. Just like any bear species that hibernates has that plug and that keeps them from uh, defecating inside their, their den. So they have to get food that's easily digested. That'll get that plug out. And, and uh, I mean, it's emerald green when you see it, like uh, you'll see it at the bait sites all the time when the plug comes out. So they generally, they want to, they want some easy eating at first they can't go right to meat really hard so, so lots of guys will fill their barrels with with uh, meat um and the it the bears won't eat very much when they first come to the to the barrel so what i like to do is i try to get some beavers for the smell to draw them in and then what i generally like to do is just go something nice and light and actually the easiest thing to get rid of the plug is is like fryer grease so i run a barrel with a couple of beavers to start and, and I have what they call a beaver basket where they can't get the beaver out, but they'll, they can smell it. And, um, and once the winds start to whip, it draws those bears in so that they'll, they'll eat at the barrel with the donut, with the, with beavers. And then I have a barrel with grain and grease and the grease usually like this time of year, um, you'll sit in the stand and the, the grease will leak out of the barrel and they just lick it like it's water. And then oh. it helps them, helps them get that plug out. And soon as they get that plug out, then they're, they're in the heat, their food mode. So they kind of come out of the, they, they come out of the den and they're really, really hungry. Um, but they can't eat like really anything until they get rid of that plug. So, um, they, they'll come to your bait. They generally won't eat a whole lot. So I run beavers, oats with, with, uh, with fryer grease and, um, donuts from a, from a donut store that at the end of the day, when they have to throw them out, I, I get them, I collect them. And that's basically what I do. And then soon as we move a couple weeks closer to June, I go exclusively grain and donuts and I don't even mess around with the beavers. Oh yeah. Wow. There's a lot to it. There, there, not, there not, is not like just throwing a bunch of food out and hoping they hit it, but yeah, you that's... know, uh, throwing a bunch of food out will work. And um, when I first started bear hunting, that's all I did. I'd go to the local butcher and got the scrap and that's, that works very well. But I find, um, knowing now what I do know about bears and really getting into the way that, uh, the way they eat and all that kind of stuff. I know that they're, uh, they have a process to the way they do it. And the big bears are the ones that you want to draw in and you got to, you really have to bring those in with the, uh, with the sweets. They love the sweets, especially the big bears. They love the sweets. Okay. What kind of sweets are we talking here? Uh, well, I use, uh, Tim Horton's donuts. I don't know if I should have said the, Tim, the name, but, um, <laughs> no, okay. uh, they, they, we're, they, we're all from Canada. So everyone's going to their first, uh, their first thought when they think donuts is going to be Tim Horton's. Yeah. Like I, I have a friend that owns a Tim Hortons and they, they're, they, they have to dispose of it anyway. So I just, yeah. I go there with bags and collect the, the old donuts and stuff. And, um, 
so that um and like you can buy tubs of icing sugar and that's what they really oh. like that that icing oh, really? sugar and and you and all you got to do is look on 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 any bear site and they have like licorice and a trail mix or just anything that that'll spur them on. I personally just use donut and then, and then oats with, uh, with fire fryer grease. I got a buddy that owns a restaurant that collects the grease for me as well. So. Yeah, I guess whatever you can get, I mean, if you're getting stuff for free, that's the way to go. Cause I imagine if you're baiting, you know, a few 600 pound bears or 500 pound, even a 300 pound bear, it, that's, it's going to add up plus your fuel and everything. Yeah. Yeah. What like I was just going to say that. So when you can't bait every day, like I'm not an outfitter or anything like that. So I'm not at my baits every day. So I am very kind of meticulous the way I run my barrels. I don't have big holes in my barrels so that they really have to work with it. Like yeah, if you put any kind of holes in your barrel, a 150 pound barrel will, will clean you out in a, in an evening. Like they'll tip the barrel, spill it on the ground and then they'll eat it until the big ones come. And then, so if I'm not going to be there, like, Right now I set my bait on Saturday and now I have to work and then I'm going to go back after work. I'm, my barrels are going to be empty. And uh, if, so if you have big holes in them, they'll clean you out in one night and those barrels will sit empty for a week and you can't do that. Yeah. Right. So ideally how good is it? Like, what would be the, if you had the ability to do what would like, obviously I don't imagine you want to be hitting that bait every day. Cause then your smell is going to be there too much. Kind of like a, you know, a deer stand or, or, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, you know point? what? You know what? You actually, the more that you can be there, the the more the bears are familiar with your smell. Oh yeah. And and there's a couple things actually that they learn about. They learn your smell. They learn when you're in the the stand, and they hear your quad. And uh, and the more that you can be in the the actually stand, the the better your success is. Because um, and I'm sure a lot of bear hunters that have good bears does this. I. I, I enjoy just sitting there and watching them. And I actually name all my bears. You know how people will manage their whitetails and, you know, from year to year to year, and they'll give them names. I do that with my bears. I, I know almost every bear that comes in from, from the year before. And so I, they get to know me and it's, it's amazing. And it truly is amazing how they are so in tune to when you come and go from the bait. And it's almost like clockwork when they'll show up. So, um, I met my nephew, Sean a really nice boar a couple of years ago and it was in the rut and that bear he knew that i came to bait my beat sack 11 o'clock day and he would come in while i was baiting and normally not a, normally don't get to see that bear but because he was rutting and he was coming to the bait he was like five, 10 yards away from me when I was filling the barrel. So I said to my nephew, let's drive out with the quads, you know, four or 500 yards. We'll walk back in and we'll, we'll you got to shoot that bear. Like he's three, three fifty, And oh. uh, so that's what we did. We snuck back in and he shot him right from the ground, right from the trail. <laughs> and it was pretty exciting, but um, it's funny how they can hear you like this, this war pig that I keep referring to. Uh, he knows when I'm in the stand, like he's um, he let his guard down a few times last year, but he only daylighted him once when I was, was in the stand and the rest of the times were when I wasn't there. So he knows like his bedding area is so close that he knows when I'm coming and going and I want to, I'm hoping he, he can slip up again. But my point being is that the more you can be in the stand and get your scent there, they get used to that. Right. Right. Now saying that I'm, I'm picturing you guys coming in with all this food mm-hmm. and I'm picturing it from BC with all our grizzlies and everything. <laughs> so have you had any like crazy experiences or close calls or some super aggressive bears or like anything like you're basically ringing the dinner bell 
you're bringing oh, you, up to us where we're kind of like, no, it's all right. You guys stay over there. But you know, I was, I guided in, in BC for, like I said, 15 years. So I know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to grizzlies. Uh, like that's the, that's the least animal we want to see when we're guiding. And, but here, um, you know, when I first started hunting what black bears years ago, man, I was scared of them. And rightfully so they're they're They, they can be very aggressive, but as the, as I mean, I've been doing this so long now that now I'm, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm complacent with them, but I'm definitely not scared of a black bear. And I've had so many experiences where I've been literally feet, like there was a cinnamon bear that would not leave my barrel. And I actually had to fill the barrel with it, like two feet away from me. And I just kept kind of swatting at it, but I was, I was stuck. I was either like go away and not, and not fill the bait or, or, or fill it and, and try to scare it. So I tried everything, but uh, and I know lots of times people think I'm crazy, but I'm, I give them enough respect that I I've never been, but just once, um, they, I had a, a sow tree me, um, just two years ago. I, it's funny because I was waiting to hunt that night and actually I harvested my really good bear, um, that night. But what happened was, is the people I stay with, we were having lunch and we were just visiting and it was really nice. I think it was 25 26 above and I was wearing shorts. I was just waiting for the evening to hunt. So we were sitting there having a late lunch and I said, Oh, I forgot my cards. Cause I always hunt morning and evening. Like I'm one of those guys that sneaks in at three in the morning and then sits till seven. And then I kind of take the day to sleep. And I'm like, I forgot to grab my cards. So I hopped on the quad and I already, already baited for the day. Cause I bait usually around that 10 30, 11 o'clock. And I said to the the, the folks that I was with, I got to run in and grab the, the, the cards out of this one. At that time, I was only running one, one bait. And uh, I jumped on the quad and I bombed in there short, everything. And I had this one sow and fellas, I'm not kidding when I'm saying she was 500 pounds. I'm not even kidding. Like, I don't know how many times yeah. early morning, late night, we, she almost got shot because she was so big, but she was very predictable. She would bring her little, like she had the little honey bear cubs and she would put them in the same big Bruce tree and three of them would go up the tree. Then she would come in and she would dominate that bait. Uh, I had so many trail cameras of her thinking that was a great big boar, but it wasn't. She was like close to 450 500 pound sow and she literally destroyed my barrel that's how aggressive she was and any bear that came around she would chase him off and it was actually a bit frustrating but usually um she was a morning and an evening bear and not middle of the day so anyways i drove my quad in there and i was just tooling along and all i'm gonna do is go get my uh my cards and it's not uncommon for me to run into bears at my bait during the day but usually they're just small so i come flying in there and I come around the trail and I do the same thing. Like I, I bait my, I come in the same trail every time and I beat the exact same way. So I come in and out and I come flying in there and I saw her and the cubs right at the barrel. And when I um, scared her, the cubs went up the tree where the barrel was. And then she turned around and kind of ran about 25 yards. So I just slammed on the brakes right there. And my camera was about three feet to the right on a tree of where my tree stand was. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to jump off, scoot over to the camera real quick. And I knew the cubs were up the tree, but I wasn't going to bother them. And I'll grab that camera or the card of that camera. And 
so I jumped off, shut the quad off. I jumped off and I just was quickly running over to the camera and she come like, you know, you see those grizzlies on TV yeah. where it's just their whole body is just like wave after wave. And that's what I saw her just galloping top speed right oh. at me. And I just turned and I jumped onto my stand and I jumped, I climbed all the way up to my, to the top of my stand and she came right to the bottom of my stand and just flipping out. And uh, so that was pretty scary. And I was like, Holy, what am I going to do? And she, she walked back kind of where the cubs were up the tree. And then she kind of walked back where she had ran when I got there, but she was only 10 yards away from me. And I was like, I don't like, that's, I was like, I'm scared here. I don't know what I'm going to do. I didn't have any, you know, didn't have a shotgun, didn't have bear spray, didn't have nothing. I was in my shorts. So I kind of give her her space and she didn't leave. Like she was staying that distance. She wasn't. So what I decided to do is I knew that she was scared of my quad. So I slowly went down, you know, rung by rung on my, on my ladder and she wasn't coming at me again. So as soon as I got to where I got brave enough, I hopped off and jumped on my quad and started it. As soon as I did that, I knew she, she wheeled and gone. And I didn't even mess with the, uh, with the, with the, uh, uh, camera that time. I just backed out and drove out there. And, but I did go back that night. And, uh, so she must've called the Cubs down after I left because they didn't come in that night. And that's the night I got that nice big boar of mine. But that's the one time that, that, you know, scared the hell out of me because she was like, I, I still remember it. Like it was like her whole body was like a wave, you know, her, you know, mm -hmm. muscles and hide was coming right down that, that, and she, she was probably 30 yards when she started galloping at me and then came right to the end of my tree stand. And if she wanted to, she could have come run up the tree with at me. Right. But she, she didn't. Yeah. Oh, that's nuts, man. Yeah. I, I know that look, you, you know, the, the look of the bear when it's chasing you, it's not, <laughs> it gets your heart going. That's for damn sure. I had know. that twice in BC with grizzlies, uh, chasing yeah. me on the horse. So I know I've seen that before. Yeah. I've had, uh, I've had it with a grizzly and, and with a black bear, but, uh, you know, um, close calls, but luckily, uh, nothing yet. Knock on wood, but I get a lot of bears that, um, it's funny cause the big bears don't mess with you. The big sows don't mess with you. It's always what I call the teenagers, the, the, uh, one and a half year old, the two year olds, like sort of the, uh, and it's almost always the males. Like they're, they're the immatures, what I call teenagers. They're the ones that are always messing with you, but I get them, cr uh, climbing my stand all the time, like oh, right really? to the, Oh, all the time. Like every year I have two or three that come right to the base of my stand all the time. When you're I, yeah. Oh, all the time. Last year I filmed with the, with my phone and the, the little guy came right to my boots and I almost tapped him under the nose. And then the year before that, it came up the back of my tree stand and I had to smack him with my, with a, one of my arrows. But <laughs> it's that kind of thing where uh, you see those memes on social media mm -hmm. with the little stick man up in the tree peeing yep. on a bear's eye. <laughs> like if you're going to go, go out like a real man <laughs> or the cool story anyway. Man, that's oh. something else. That's close. Yeah, that that is crazy. So you you mentioned your timing. What kind of time do you do you hit your stand in the uh, in the evening? In the evening, uh, well, uh, th the beauty thing is, is the trail cameras are your best friend for when you you know you're going to gauge your mm -hmm. your bears. But yep. bears are you know it's they're exactly like a whitetail. They the big ones don't generally show up until the till just before dark and yeah. the little ones always do so now i know there's exceptions to the rule and i think back to the bears i shot the last few years and they 
the the bears I've taken have came in early, but um, they're usually kind of one-offs. Usually what happens is I go in the stand. So I, I go, I, if I have a morning bear, like war pig, he likes four o'clock in the morning and he likes nine o'clock at night. So what I try to do is I try to get in there by three and, and try to beat him. And so I'll go in the morning till about seven. And then I usually just, I'll, I'll go have breakfast and then I go get ready to bait my baits. And then I sleep in the afternoon and I have a late supper, an early supper. And I try to be in the stand by five 30 every night, like clockwork. And, uh, and that's so that I've got everything calmed down. I'm not moving around with my bag and got my bow hung up and all that kinds of stuff, because I've been caught where I got in late and, the bears have already coming in and and usually almost every time you you scare away a small one anyways which doesn't break my heart because lots of times they're eating your bait and you want the the bigger ones to come so um i'm always in the stand by 5 30 and usually the best bear action for like the most coming and going is usually that 6 30 to 7 30 p.m right right so do, do the big ones uh do they scare the little ones out or do you find like like if you get a lot of little guys, little young bears on your, like hitting your bait stands. And then all of a sudden you get like a big, you know, big mature bear. Does he, does he kind of rule the roost on that stand? Yeah. Like uh, that's probably the thing that I talk about most when it comes to bear hunting is um, you know, when we get into field judging and stuff like that and, and, and what a good bear and what a, not a good bear is. One thing I like to talk about is the bears will let you know when there's another bear coming. It's, it's, I think that's why, you know, I've, I'm a very excitable guy. If you tried to sit me down right now and I would be fidgeting and we'd be, you know, I'd be all over the place. That's just type of guy I am. But for whatever reason, when it comes to bear hunting, I can sit there for hours without, you know, really moving or anything like that, because it's so interesting watching these bears. And it's so amazing that you, they will let you know when another bear is coming and I don't know how they do it. So, because they're on the level, whereas I at least have the advantage of being up in a tree stand, they are on the level and they know to like, all you have to, I always tell people that come with me that, that love, love to watch it. I'm like, you watch that bear at the barrel. It'll tell you when a bigger one's coming. And uh, so usually what I say to people is don't shoot the first bear that you see, because they're all, it kind of works incrementally or like, there'll be a 150 pound bear show up and then a 200 pound bear will show up. And right. then like the 300 pound pound bear will show up. And then maybe the big sow will, will show up. And then, you know, the, and, and they, they don't have to be told to leave the stand. I mean, there is a lot of fighting, especially with, um, bears that are maybe the same size, but if you have a, say 150 pound bear eating at your bait at say six o'clock at night, he'll snap his head up and, nine times out of 10, they'll leave before the other bear comes in. So that's oh, yeah. always like, you know, lots of times you'll be head bobbing and you're waiting for a bear. Cause they're, they're so quiet that yeah. generally you don't hear them coming that you wait for the bears that are at the bait to give you that reaction. So you'll be half dozy sleeping. And all of a sudden that bear will snap its head up. You know that there's something you got to be ready. You know that there's something else coming. It might be just another bear, the same size, but they will let you know. So generally what happens is a small bear comes in early gets pushed off by another bear. And then there's, I've had it where there's nine bears at one time wow. now, not at the bait at one time, but nine bears in the perimeter and they all have a pecking order. And so they, um, and not always the biggest bear is the, the guy that pushes them off. Like you'll get a really aggressive, you know, uh, two and a half, three-year-old that'll push off a, you know, seven, eight-year-old bear because he's super aggressive. But generally as they get like when war pig came in, 
last year, like when I passed him up, there was five bears, like small bears, like 150 pounders on the bait. And they were, you know, mixing them, fighting and carrying on. And when Warpig came, they just scattered. Uh, I think one or two stuck around because he didn't actually come to the barrel. So they will push the envelope. It's kind of cute to watch. Like they, the bears will push the envelope a little bit when it comes to when a bear comes in, either they're going to, they're going to head for the hills or they're going to, you know, try to grab another piece of donut or something like that and, and wait till they get pushed off. It's kind of cute to see because they will push the envelope all the time. Yeah, no doubt. They go around a tree or something, pretend like they're hiding. And then when the other bears look and they'll try to to get in there. Yeah. Just to kind of determine the pecking order. I get it. Cool. So how long does a bait, like how long, what's the longest you can go without baiting your, your stand? Well, it, it, like, it gets back to, like I said earlier about the excess, how accessible you let them be with your bait, because, right. um, I put a 60 pound bag of grain in there and a 200 pound bear in an hour and a half cleaned it out. So, wow. and I, and so my, my nephew helps me, he, he likes to bait and he joins me a lot. And we've learned a lot together about, you know, when I'm there, I don't mind so much because, I could fill it up the next day, but like right now, I, I always put barrels out there with just tiny little holes. Cause you'd be amazed how they can get, like, I've got one there. It's got three beavers in it. And I know that it'll be cleaned out when I get there. And it's just got like one and a half inch holes on it. And just a few of those. And then what'll happen is when I come, I will cycle those barrels out where they could actually get their hand in there and, and pull stuff out. Oh, but right okay. now I'm, I'm trying to do a couple of things. I'm trying to get the smell out there. So I'm trying to draw them in and then I'm not really trying to feed them right now. I'm just trying to get them interested. And, oh. uh, and the biggest thing is, is I want them to get frustrated. I want them to move that barrel around as best they can. And then, you know, some grain will drop out or a donut will drop out and then that'll just keep them coming. And right, um, right. it's just longevity. So when I'm there hunting, like uh, I've got a couple of weeks off coming up here, and I'm going to spend some time in the stand. Then I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll swap a barrel out where they can tip it and dump it and stuff like that. Uh, otherwise they'll clean me out tomorrow and then the bait will run empty for five days and we can't have that. Right. So how long until the bears, they just, they move off the bait. So like how long, if a bear, if a bait sits empty where there's no food in it, how long will the the bears stick around that, that stand before they just are like, well, there's nothing here. Well, I've seen, and I know I've talked to lots of bear guys too, that they'll always come back to check it out. Um, But remember we're trying to be selective and we're trying to hunt the big boars. So, and and we've got the rut coming up right away, which is uh, works kind of for and against us. uh, Meaning that it'll be for because the bears will start or the boars will start coming around where the sows are really at right now. I'm trying to draw in. I know their guys will probably argue with me, but I'm trying to draw in as many sows as I can right now, because I know that eventually they're going to come into heat and they're going to draw the boars are because um, right, uh, I guess right now I said to a buddy of mine that wanted to hunt a bear, I said, you know, if you want to kill a good three, 400 pound bear, now's the time to do it because he's not running and he's going to come, you know, every day, the same time uh, to that bait. He's very, um, you can, you can uh, program him very well right now or follow his, his habits. But soon as a sow comes in, that comes into heat, he's going to take off with her. So, um, when they run dry, usually two, three days, they'll come back and then they'll move off and try to look for another 
yeah. food source because they, they call it the um what do they call it they call it the dandelion lull when the dandelions uh start to bloom you, your bears will just poof they just yeah. disappear and that's because they're eating all these green stuff and they love dandelions and so um they're between the rut the dandelion lull you'll see you'll see your early season like right now my baits i wish i was there because they'd be getting smashed and then as the towards the end of may they're going to level off and then they actually dip there when they hit that dandelion lull where your bears actually kind of disappear and then you want to try to bring them back uh in the rut so you want to try to draw the sows in because they'll be following the sows that's what i meant by i try to draw as many sows as i can in because i want to keep those boars around as long as i can yeah, well, that it's makes like sense. elk too, I guess. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like you find the ladies, you know the 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 boys yeah. are going to come around eventually. That's right, exactly. Guaranteed. Yeah. So you you talked a bit there, or you touched on it, field judging. Uh, your field judging methods. Just walk me through that. Well, for for a for a black bear, so there's two things um, hunting baits. You know, when you're when you're hunting uh, in the wild and you you come across the bear either it's a good bear or it's not you don't really have the time to decide is it a sow is it a boar i mean it doesn't have cubs so you don't know it's 50 50 uh so lots of times it, it's it's go time when you're hunting uh black bears in bc and i know i've guided them there but here um you know, I'm not going to, you know what, I'm never slag somebody for taking a sow, but um, generally you want to hunt the boars. And so when it comes to field judging, what I always say to people is, um, especially sort of inexperienced is the best way to field judge a bear is first of all, to watch some bears. So if you, if you're going to go hunt four or five days, your first day and a half, don't even consider shooting a bear because you have to see these bears to start to field judge them. But uh, on the surface, what I look for, um, first of all, I look for the, for the body size, uh, like I'm not even talking boar versus sow, but just a field judging them. I look at their size, um, a, a, a mature bear. I look at their head and then I look at their shoulders of a, of a, of a boar because, um, a young one will have a sleek head and tiny shoulders, kind of like a sow, but a, even a 300 pound boar that's, uh, you know, a nice, a nice size boar, he'll have bulky shoulders. And, uh, a buddy of mine taught me this to look at their wrists actually is where one of the most common ways to find out between a sow and a boar is to look at it. Uh, a sow, even a big, heavy sow will have narrow, their aren't their, their late front legs will taper down to a kind of a petite wrist. Whereas a, a, a boar, even a 200 pounder won't do that. They're kind of solid. And so I look at their head to look and see for their crease. And I, I did a little video about that. And I got actually got my, this is my bear from last year. This is a 20 incher. And that's a beauty. Uh, somebody nice. asked, somebody asked me, um, and that's why I did that little video was somebody asked me about, you know, how, what you look for. And I wanted to show people that there is no crease in a skull of a bear. And I think people, there was a misconception out there that, um, males had a crease in their head and that's how you you identify a male from a female or a big bear and so i wanted to show this is smooth right there might be a little bit of a concave there but nothing nothing significant and so what that crease comes from is from the the amount of meat that comes right in these area right here causes that crease to happen and in younger bears 
it doesn't that that crease doesn't come because it's there's not much here and as they get bigger and stronger and just like humans they penning like especially in the spring you know humans lose their lose weight in their face first when they're losing weight and when they're in the in the den for you know three four five months they lose a lot of weight off their face so usually i look at their head to see if it can see that crease and then i look at their shoulders and then i look at their hat and that's how i sort of judge if that's a young bear or not and then i move back to his belly and um generally what i like to do is i always compare him to the barrel so usually i mean when a bear is walking in 50 yards away i i I even use my binoculars at you know 15 yards away because it really can help me detail the bear but i can tell right away if and usually i'm really good at saying that's probably a three-year-old or a four-year-old or something like that and uh and it all comes down to those features look at his head uh look at his shoulders look at their front feet and then you and then you also know like a, a a big bear will have a bit of a belly on him whereas a younger bear won't have that uh and then of course when they walk up to your barrel you the the sort of the unwritten rule is if their back of their um of the bear reaches the top of the barrel then you're looking at a mature bear cool yeah that's a yeah, good tip I, with the uh with the sows there yeah. Well, you know, I, I never knew that tip actually until a couple three years ago. And I, I was taught that. And now that's one of the main things I look for when I, like when you have a big sow coming in, um, usually, you know, with sows, I think 90% of the people feel judge them by their ears. Yeah. And, uh, because a sow does definitively have a narrower, you know, where their air, where their nose is on their yeah. skull, they are definitively narrow and then her nose is generally pointed whereas whereas boars don't do that their ears are normally a little offset and their nose are look a little stubby and i just found out recently that the reason they look stubby isn't because they're shorter it's because their face fills out in more than a sow yeah yeah you can definitely tell like the if you if you were to just you know peel the hide off of of the skull of a you know a young or a sow a young a young bear uh, compared to like an older mature bear, you can mm-hmm. tell the difference just in the, how much meat is on that, you know, is on that skull. And, you know, the first time I did it, I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. Cause you know, you're just used to skinning no deer heads and that, and you know, there's, yeah, there's a substantial amount of meat on that skull. Well, you know, the, and one thing that uh, I should talk about is they, they're uh, bear guys refer to boars as a meathead. You probably heard this a mm-hmm. meathead or a bonehead. And what that means is, is, do so their skull or their bone scores way better than it would be like that you have a big bear that has a lot of fat or or meat on there so when they say a meathead that means yeah they they look big and blocky but that just means there's a ton of uh you know hide and fat and 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 meat there and then you'll get the bears that score very well but they call them boneheads because they don't you know they're they're just bigger skulls so um like my buddy Blair, he killed a 22 inch one year. And then the very next year he killed, he killed a 21, uh, that, that was actually heavier than the 22. So he thought the skull would be bigger, but it was smaller. Cause they, you know, the one was a bonehead. One was a meathead. Yeah. That's uh those are big bears, big yeah. black bears, man. Huge. Uh, 20, the, 21, 22. That's a bit, that's a big, big bear. And the, the 22, I want to say it's 22 and like nine or 10 sixteenths. And 
it was a uh, chocolate brown. He called it Brown wow. Town. It's amazing, like to see a brown bear like that. And then his his the one the next year, the twenty one and some was uh, was jet black. He called him black jack. Uh, black jack. Yeah. Do you have a lot of color phase up there where you are? Is there I a good, do. Good uh, percentage. I do. So last year, uh, just with whole COVID and thing, and I only ran one bait and that particular bait doesn't have a lot of color. It's mainly just black, but the other bait that I run, uh, that I just, just because of sticking, sticking around home for COVID, I didn't want to run that bait. I had the year before I had nine color bears that were smaller that I had. Like I kept saying, Oh, that one, you know, in two years is going to be in really nice shooter. And here's the thing, like a bear like this, that's, that's 20 over 20, that bear is probably 11, 12 years old. So, um, it takes those bears a, 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 a quite a while to get that big, like that war pig that I'm talking about, Blair figures estimates him at 20 years old. Wow. And so uh, like when I see, so this is how I do it. You know, when you, when a sow has cubs, she always keeps her cubs for a, a year and a half. Right. So she has them in the den in January and they're really, really small. They don't usually show up until May and they're just little basket bears so they go all that year until the next year they go into the den with their mother they come out they're still there until that mom goes into heat usually in may and june right so that now they're a year and a half old and they kick them out so generally what i say is when they're uh when so when they're with their mom and unlike grizzlies that get pretty big when they're with their with their with their mom, uh, black bears are usually around that hundred to hundred and fifty pounds when their mom kicks them loose. So what I normally say to people is is if you see a bear by itself and it's small but it's by itself, it's probably just been kicked out, or so it's probably that one and a half to two years old. So you're thinking probably 150 pounds, maybe 200. So if you see a bear come in by itself right away, you can think that it's probably going to be a 150 pound bear. And unless it's really, really skinny or really small, and you can tell, I mean, if it looks like a a German shepherd, you're probably around that hundred pounds, but usually when they're kicked out, they're around that 150 pounds. So then it's, I'm usually a pretty good judge of how old they are. So when a bear comes in, usually you can say, that's probably a three-year-old bear and it's only maybe 225 pounds because they say that they only gain about 25% per year, if that. And so um, you see a bear this year, he's might only be 25, 50 pounds next year, you know, depending on how the, how the year went for him. So um, when you get a big bear like this, you're talking 10, 15 years old. And so it takes a while to, manage these bears so that's why when i saw these color phases i was like oh man in five years that's going to be a, a an amazing you know blonde or something like that there is a there is a uh, brown bear that uh it looked like a chocolate lab and she was a sow and she had two blonde cubs with her oh, yeah. i called her i nicknamed her sweet chocolate but she had two blonde cubs so i was thinking to myself in seven eight years from now if they if they survive they're going to be amazing so that bait alone had i think i counted nine different color all small but different colors that's that's awesome yeah yeah i find in the area that i hunt i see more color phase than regular like the generic black bear oh really yeah so the, the baits that i run and the colors that i have realistically my kind of goal is 
Like I'm not just there to shoot anything, but my goal is to get every color phase black bear. I've gotten, I've, I have gotten a, a cinnamon granted. It was early in my career and it was, it was pretty small, but I've got a cinnamon. I've got a black. I've passed up a couple of Browns that I could have gotten that were smaller. So my, that's my plan is to, you know, before I'm done hunting these bears that I want to try to get a, every color phase of black bear. Nice. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. got a few areas out here where we've got quite the variety. Um, I mean, grant you, it's overgrown. It is thick as shit. Uh, so a lot of times it's more like you're driving from point A to point B or what, you know, if you're just going right. for a little scout yep. and checking out some cut blocks or whatever, a lot of times you'll bump them off the rotors or crossing and that. But yeah, we've, I got to say, there's definitely some areas that have more color than others, but throughout our whole valley here, it's actually it's surprising how many colors you will see. Well, I, I kind of made myself a promise that I wouldn't shoot a bear this year. Well, I, I, I'm going to try with a recurve this year. I've never done that before, but I sort of made a promise to myself that I was going to hunt war pig and try to try to harvest him before he dies or whatever happens to him. But I did say, if a big color comes in, I will take a big color because I've got a three quarter mount, uh, black bear on my wall and i'm i'm getting this big guy into a rug but i really want a really nice color and my my buddies keep saying if i get war pig it's going to cost me dearly because i'll have to do a life size yeah (laughs) (laughs) that'd be cool that's a big bear how many how many bear you allowed to how many bear you allowed to uh harvest each year in saskatchewan you can get two and in manitoba i can get one oh yeah okay and it's in saskatchewan too you don't need uh like we could go out there and hunt as well yep. and you don't need a host, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Same with Manitoba. Like uh, uh, I flip flop between Manitoba oh, yeah. and, and Saskatchewan. Same Manitoba has the same rules that you can, you can just, uh, you can basically just buy a tag over the counter. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Cool. Are they allowed baiting in Manitoba as well? Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. In Alberta, you're allowed to as well, but you need uh, yep. to be hosted. I think right. BC, what about Ontario? Do you know what they're, are they baiting out there? Or are they not? Uh, You know what? That was I think that they can do fall bears. I like, oh, I, yeah. if I remember correctly, they got rid of the spring bear hunt. Like I want to say 10 years ago and there's a yeah. big controversy on it. it. It might be back now though. Like I'm not, I'm just not hundred percent sure, but I know that they used to have spring bear hunting and then they got rid of it. But I think the population boomed. They, yeah. they might be back now, but I know you could fall bait them. And that's oh, one yeah. thing okay. I don't do is fall bait. Yeah. I don't generally hunt. I hunted bear last year with my bow. I was trying to get a nice big black bear with my bow. Uh, but I generally in the fall, I don't, I generally don't go after bears. Yeah. So I, I, I generally don't either because it's, you, there's so much other things yeah. to, to hunt in yeah. the fall. Yeah. I carry yeah. a tag with me just in case one, you get that, uh, you get that aggressive bear. It's acting weird, whatever, whatever the reasons are. And you have to do something about it. You don't have to worry about COs or anything like that. You know, it's just a, legal harvest and or if something you know really nice does happen to walk in front of me or i find it well i won't say no to it but i'm definitely not you know going out in the morning and saying i'm gonna go hunt a bear in the fall time too my my plan is like i keep saying this year after year is i'd love to hunt a fall bear like like stock spot and stock because i don't know if you guys know this but 
the reason the um, bear hunting is so good is they're so destructive to farmers' fields, and the farmers can't stand them. They do way more damage than the than elk or anything like that. Really? And and so they just like the farmers are more than willing to let you hunt on their land because they they the canola is a big crop and of course oats and stuff like that in that part of the country and they of course you know what canola is like you even look at it and it shatters or knocks off and and the bears go in the canola and they just sweep around and literally knock all the pods off the plants and they can do a lot of damage like one bear can do a lot of damage so um i've i've always said to the farmers if i don't get a spring bear that i want to go and start and spock because when they're when they're in out in the fields and the oat fields and stuff, there'll be 30, 40 bears in amongst the field. And so you can, you can go spot and spot and stock really easy. I keep saying I'm going to do that. And if I don't get a bear, I'm going to definitely do that one of these years because the farmers say they're just nuts. How many are in the fields? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, I had no idea. Yeah. Like, like, like I said, when I, when you think of Saskatchewan, you think of farmland, right. And so when you don't, you know, you don't really see the correlation between, big black bears and uh in the farmland but i guess yeah. well we have a couple north. of big forests that are the majority of my hunting goes on like there's two big forests that i that the farmland butts up against and so i'm just kind of lucky that i have friends yeah. that own land there um if i was to go in the in the say just in the middle of the wilderness you'd still get bears but you wouldn't get it as much as i would here because the the farmers are really the reason why all those bears are right. around and nobody really hunts them. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. There's definitely, well, I, I, in BC here, especially, I think that, uh, this, with the spring bear, it's gaining more popularity. I'm not sure about out there, but you just, in general, I think that's, uh, you know, people are getting over the stigma of, you know, bear meats, no good. So, uh, right. I think we're seeing a lot more of it. I, I, I just had that conversation with a guy at work today, uh, asked him if he wanted some bear meat to try and he was kind of snubbed his nose. And, and I said, anybody ever asked me bear meat is in my top three favorite meats. It's, it goes elk, moose, bear, uh, beef, and then, uh, deer. Those are the three that I, yeah. that I like the most because bear to me is better than beef. Yeah. There's just so much you can do with it. I mean, and the, I mean, I by no means am, am a good cook, but uh, still, I mean, there's there's lots you can do with it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd be curious but, on the taste difference between uh, our bears and your bears. Just like you know, like you you harvest a deer out there off those mm-hmm. off those fields and everything. Those deer are gonna taste different than our deer. I'll guarantee it for sure. And um, like the the bears that I'm shooting aren't garbage fed bears either. Like they're they're not eating the uh, the rotten stuff like some some bears do. Uh, I, I, I found with bears in particular, they carry their taste in their fat and the meat is the meat. And I always do mine fairly lean. So, um, if I, if you can get past what a bear sort of smells like and the, the, the greasiness of their, of their fat, if you trim it, you know, I, I think your bears would be no different than mine now. Oh, okay. Now, granted, if they're fish fed, you know, I, I, I know that it, it goes into the, the, the fibers of the meat, but at the end of the day, I've had bear all over the province and in even some in from in the States and it's been the exact same. It's just the way you prepare it. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, you know, you get the, like I've had bear that's, you know, from coat from the coast and they eat a lot of 
fish and stuff. And I think that's what you said is it's, it's in the meat, it's in the fat, it's in the hide, it's not necessarily in the meat. And I think when you're, when you're breaking down an animal that's, you know, it was in a river eating some salmon, you're smelling that. So you're naturally thinking that, you know, your that smell is coming out in the meat when I'm sure if you had, you know, you did a Pepsi challenge, I'm sure the meat's going to taste exact, exactly the same from an inland BC bear to a coastal BC bear. But I have that. Try, I, I have that argument all the time with, uh, with guys and, and say mule deer and the odd antelope. I we don't get to shoot antelope here very much. It's on the draw, but, uh, you know, people are like, especially the mule deer, oh, they're sagey or whatever. Uh, it's not the meat. It's the, the way you prepared it. And like, I think that it, it truly does carry its flavor or not flavor, the smell in the, in the fat, because that's yeah. where everything hangs up. Right. The, the meat itself is lean. It's not, it's not, it's, there's no place for it to carry the the flavor but the fat is is the opposite right yeah yeah for and sure. and bear rightfully so like if you don't trim if i just handed somebody a, a backstrap that wasn't trimmed for bear they would find it very probably repulsive because if as soon as you start trying to cook that bear fat unless you know what you're expecting um it won't be a good experience that's why i trim it really lean and i don't have any issues with taste yeah. Right. Do you, do you keep the fat? Do you do anything with it? Yeah. We render it down. You know, the thing is, is that unless you're giving it away, it, you can get a lot out of a bear, like rendering it down. So I still have some from a couple bears ago. Um, but yeah, I will, we use a slow cooker and rend, render it down and make it to a, like a salve. Okay. Yeah. That's one thing I got to get into more. You know, I've kept a little bit, but just for cooking with, but I've never kept it. I want to keep it and and uh yeah just use it store it this year There's a, when you render you render little fat cubes down it's kind of neat of course youtube is the best way to find the information on that but the when i did it the uh they call it crackle or something like that or there's a nickname for it it's kind of like um uh it renders the, the the fat renders down and then the little chunks become like uh, little crispy like almost pork rind kind of things yeah. and they're actually taste really good so guys really like them yeah cool cool yeah i definitely got to get into that uh one uh quick thing i want to talk about before we uh, wrap this up is shot placement now one of the things i learned quickly about hunting bears is that when you're aiming on a deer you're ready to take down uh, a deer your shot is going to be a lot different than it is on a bear um, you know, I, I, when I first started hunting bears and going after bears, uh, I'd be aiming just behind the front shoulder, maybe a little bit low, same as a deer with, and then I, you know, I was getting, I had to do a lot of tracking with bears. I wasn't getting, you know, a dead bear within 10 to 30 yards. Uh, they die a lot further down the road. They die, but there's just, you know, meant I had to track them a lot more. And then accidentally one time I shot one center of center and the bear died in 10 yards. So the first thing I did when I shot that bear was I, I peeled it open. And I look where the bullet hit. And I was amazed to find out the difference between a bear and a deer in that or, or an elk or a moose, right? You know what I mean? Any ungulate is where you're, you know, if you're taking a broad, a broadside shot or, you know, maybe it's a bit courting away, you're always going, you want to be behind that front shoulder a little bit. Uh, you know, even if you're a little bit low, that's fine. But with a bear, it's just, uh, it's completely different. Right. Like their anatomy, um, it, the way their the the innards are sort of configured isn't what you consider typical for like you were saying a, a deer and you're right like um 
it's funny because when I got into bear hunting, I really got into it. And I did, I did so much reading and trying to learn about them that one particular study I read was that there's more bears wounded with a rifle than there are with bow. And because, and, and the reason is, is be, where does a rifle hunter traditionally aim? Yeah. Just right behind, said, yeah. right, right behind that front shoulder. And the thing with a bear is they have, they, they, they have so much hide and fat that, um, you know, you, you, when you skin a bear, you could, you'll be blown away at how sort of thin it looks. You know, I'm not going to compare it to anything other than it just looks thin and you know you went from this big 400 pound conglomerate to like a really skinny 200 pound carcass and the reason being is because there's a lot of hide and a lot of fat there and when they're standing um their front shoulders are really strong and their arms will block a lot of their vital areas so what i say to everybody is kind of what you said so i say point at the center of the, of the bear and then go four inches towards the front shoulder. And you'll always, what we call ventilate them. You'll always take the, the vitals out guaranteed. There's no ands, ifs, or buts. Now my very first bear, when I shot in Manitoba about five years ago, um, I knew that I knew to aim, but for whatever reason, I went instinctively right back behind the shoulder and I was up uh, on, in my tree stand and my arrow didn't even pass through, but he did, he did, uh, uh, expire quickly. I got him through the heart, but I remember looking at the video. I was like, man, it, that was, that was, it looked like a great shot, but it really wasn't. Had I not got the heart, it would have went right through the brisket area. And I probably would have lost that bear. So now every person I hunt with, I always say, just point to the, to the middle of their body and then just go four inches to the left or right, whichever is closest to the shoulder. And you'll always, always, uh, you know, have a dead bear within 20, 30 yards. Yeah, now, when you're thing. talking for, for hunters who haven't done bear hunting before mm-hmm. and you're talking middle of the body, are you talking about from the chest to the butt or are you talking from nose to the butt? No, like, so the, the, the main part of their body, like, okay. if, like, so if that bear was standing broadside to me right now, and even somebody that's inexperienced, I said, point to the middle of the, of the, of its body, they would naturally go right to like their belly area. Right. Yeah. And then I would say now go four inches to the right. What you think four inches would be, you know, like, like that far. And, uh, that's perfect area for it. You're guaranteed to either get double lung or at the very, well, you, you, there's no way you'll even catch the liver. Cause you'll be totally in the, in the, in the lung area. But if you go too far and here's the thing, another thing that people, when it comes to shot placement on bears is remember, you're usually 15, 18 feet high in a, in a tree stand. And when you're shooting down on elevation, if you're not conscious of that center of center, if you're a little bit too high, you're going to miss it. And if you're too low, you're going to hit the belly. Now you're, you're, you might get a blood trail, but your that bear won't part perish right away because you're not really hitting the vitals. You'd be amazed that they, there's up to, you know, three inches of, of hide and uh, belly fat on a bear. And then you, you add the, how long their hair is on top of that. You're looking at three, four, five inches sometimes that you think is shootable, but it's actually not. It's, it's, you know, it, it'll be a bad shot. So even in experienced people, I say, like, I always show them a picture and I say, point to the center of the body. And they always point kind of right in the middle of the belly. And then I say, now go to their close to the front shoulder. And remember 
and and, uh, and remember that. And that's how I that's how I tell people. I mean, there's nothing wrong with people say the middle of the middle. There's nothing wrong with that. I just say add four inches to the to whatever, and you, you'll always get know. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's one thing I I learned fast and uh, hunting bears by myself was uh, um, the shot placement. It's funny because like how you said it, you just you naturally shooting deer for a while and elk and ungulates you just your your natural instinct is to go for that front shoulder and it's funny like even if you put a scope up or you put your pin on a bear it's just funny because like the first thing i find do it that happens is that crosshair or that pin goes right but in the same spot it would be if it was a deer and you know that i was saying there a few minutes ago that the that more bears are lost with rifles and that's because if you go behind the shoulder and you don't hit the vitals that arrow or that bullet zipping right through and yeah. uh, and there's a good chance that you're you know he will die eventually but it won't be recovered right away because it's not doing a lot of trauma that's why i think archery is so you know for bear hunting especially for um baiting them i'm 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 not an outfitter I don't make a living at this and it's all a hobby, but I'll take just about anybody bear hunting. I'll do the work. I usually just say, if you want to help out, get some bait, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I always say it's always bow hunting for me because um, you're at a bait, you're bringing the bears in to begin with. And it's, and it's selective hunting. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to take the mature boars. So I say, you know what? knowing that rifle hunting wounds more get yourself a bow and an arrow and practice and we haven't lost one bear yet with an archery on, on any of the baits that i run that's yeah. awesome that's yeah. good plus bear hunting or bow hunting for bears is just so much fun right yeah exactly and yeah. my baits in particular i like i don't know if it's just the way things worked out but none of my baits are over 12 yards long so they're 10 10 yards and under so this year like i said i might do wow. i might do a um I might do a ground blind to try to do a recurve hunt, oh, yeah. uh, but we'll see. Uh, I haven't done a ton of practice with it. So what? Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'm not a I, big I, fan I, of hunting on the ground by myself either. Oh, no. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm the opposite. I think it'd be a little different having that many bears. And like you say, I mean, most you don't have to worry about, but it's those, those odd ducks. And yeah, if you're, you definitely feel more secure. up. Well, if I had one of you guys in with me or anybody, I would have, I would have nerves of steel, right? But just sitting by yourself and not knowing there's yeah. one behind you yeah. and then beside you and like, yeah, that's it's a little bit uh, a little bit nerve wracking. So I I have to practice. I my I'm gonna go up on uh, in, in about four days. I'm gonna go up and refresh and maybe hunt for a day or two. But the hunting for me really doesn't start till the last week of May. Oh yeah. 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 This is, uh, I gotta start getting serious about it here. This is, uh, I mean, we've still got a bit of time. We got till the end of June out here to go. And then, yeah, usually about the end of May, early June, that's when I find things start really heating up out here. Same, same with us. We, we, we can hunt to the end of June, but I don't, uh, I've never shot a, a bear late, but there again, you run into the chance of having your bear, uh, start to rub and, yeah. uh, to me, yeah. there's nothing other than it, unless you're substance hunting for meat, there's nothing wor worse than hunting a bear where you shoot it and then you're disgusted that it's, that it's rubbed and then you don't have nothing to do with it. Right. So, yeah. um, I always make sure that we, our bears are nice and clean before we shoot them because I don't want anybody like, oh, I'm just throw the hide in the garbage. Well, yeah. why'd yeah, you shoot them to begin with then? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, when you shoot a bear, you definitely, uh the hide is you know it's so valuable you don't want to you don't want to be chucking that the meat obviously is is why you're doing it in the first place but 
uh, you know, the, the height is that's an added bonus. I think. Well, just the pictures, even with a with a rub bear, it just doesn't make good field pictures or anything like that. But yeah, I fortunately I've never uh, shot one, but I know other guys who who've gone <laughs> later later in the year and they've you know they've tagged rub bears and yeah they you know they just don't look the same. Yeah. Right. Thanks a lot for uh, hopping on the show, man. Like I said, we you and I've been uh, we've been chatting back and forth for a while now, and I think even you know when I first started this show uh man almost two year and a half two years ago that uh i reached out and you were more than willing to come on the show and then things get busy and then hunting starts and then you know the process seems to repeat but uh i really appreciate you taking a bit of time to to talk with us no not no problem i i enjoy everything i do is try to help other people and especially newer hunters or people that are just getting into yeah. the into the outdoors i i know what it's like to to fumble my way along and not have somebody to help me so that's that's why i i love sharing information and like i said bears and elk are kind of my thing yeah yeah and it's awesome that you know that's one of the things is with these older guys you know uh calling her quits we're, we need those uh we need those new and young hunters out there so uh where yeah. can everybody find your content follow you all that stuff Oh, well, I got, uh, I'm a bit of a social media guru. Uh, they, they can get a hold of my personal account, which is Marcus Simons on Facebook. Uh, I do have a couple of, uh, uh, Facebook. I got a pro staff or Cabela's Bass Pro uh, Facebook page. And, uh, I have kind of like what you guys do. I have my own little podcast sort of, it's called all outdoors with Muck Simons and, um, Instagram is just muck underscore Simons and yeah, look me up and, I yeah. pretty much friend anybody. So <laughs> right on, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll throw all that stuff up in the show notes too. And, uh, and you know, access to the stuff you got for YouTube and all that stuff. Um, got anything to add Pete? No, just thanks for some of the tips there. You know, field judging stuff like that time. I'm, I'm going to go out this weekend. I think for a day, just bow's not ready, but I'll take the rifle out and go do some scouting and maybe be able to eye up something half decent. And so I got two tips that I'll leave your listeners with when it comes to bears. The one is don't shoot the first bear you see. And the second one is um, try your best to look over five or six bears before you, before you shoot it, because that's, that's the key. Once you, once you let that first one go and you have a chance to field judge a few, you will know when there's a shooter bear come in, you'll know like that. That's what I always tell everybody is if you don't shoot the first one that comes in, cause that happens a lot in Saskatchewan here, more bears are shot, like more sows and more uh, immature bears are shot because the first one comes in and it looks huge to everybody. But when that, if you give yourself a, a little bit of time to look over them, you will know when a, when a big bear comes in and you'll know which one's right. Yeah. It's not easy to let animals pass, especially for new hunters, but I think the more you do it, uh, the easier it gets until, until it doesn't. Uh, I'm still, weeping over a elk I passed on this year at 50 yards looking for another one but <laughs> well, my my friends will not let me down for letting war pig because uh, he'll be probably in the top five bears shot and shot in the province like and wow. I like I said it, there was a couple of reasons but I'll get him this year I'm hoping to so yeah well best of luck to you buddy yeah. thanks guys Absolutely. okay man thanks, thanks a lot eh? and uh, Pete we'll talk to you soon you betcha have a good one buddy again everyone for tuning in to the focus hunting podcast it's coming at you as part of the waypoint outdoor collective quick shout out to the sponsors of the show vortex optics the best in optics period backroads maps books never get lost with backroads maps aku boots you owe it to your feet scree hunting gear now if you guys check the show notes you're going to find some promo codes use them save a bit love you guys talk to you soon
I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.